Welcome back to another edition of Inside the Huddle Podcast with Braden Soprenit. we got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the new season and the way the season is starting really early this year on August 17th, this Friday, which as a fan, I'm excited for. As a coach, I'm a little nervous because it was less time to get my guys ready to go. And I think it, it, it kind of affects the quality of the play, especially with some of these teams not being able to scrimmage and not being able to find a scrimmage early on in the se- or, uh, last week. It's going to be interesting to see a lot of the games week one. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't affect the way the kids play. I'm hoping it doesn't, in turn, you know, create more injuries because that's the last thing I want to happen. But we'll be joined uh, by Coach Bernie down at Castle Park. We'll be joined by John McFadden of Eastlake. And we'll be joined by the new head football coach of the Mirror Mesa Marauders, Chris Thompson, talking about all their backgrounds, how they got to where they were, how they got to where they are, uh, talking about their 2018 squads, their upcoming games on Friday, as well as their take on, on the early season and the reason why we're doing an early season in order to expand the state playoffs. And each coach has a different opinion on that coming up. But let's dive into the new season. Let's dive into starting early. Let's dive into the August 17th start date and starting a week before most of these kids have school. Granted, some schools started this week. Some of the South Bay schools maybe started a little bit earlier than that. But as of right now, a lot of schools are not going to have class before their first game, which leads to other challenges as well. Coaches, you know that first week of school and a game, those first couple days of practice are kind of lacking. Got the distractions of school, going through an entire day of working, going in the classroom, making sure you got going to the right classes. That's a long day for a lot of these kids. On top of the fact that you're going to have your first game. And then it throws another wrinkle into it. This week, for some schools, they don't have class, right? So they don't have class. So now you're managing kids showing up to practice, kids getting the full go of practice, and not having school. That is also something incredibly difficult for some kids to do. So those are a couple challenges you have to face. I personally am against starting early. Starting this early is, is, is first of all, it's way too early. Okay, if you want to start on the week of August 24th, uh, the second to last week of August, I think you're okay with that. But I think that should be the week zero type deal. Week one doesn't officially start till Labor Day weekend, in my opinion. Week zero should be August 24th, and then it should go throughout the, the season. If you want to expand the playoff, okay, if you want to expand the state playoff, then take out a round of CIF playoffs. There's already way too many teams making the playoffs, and we discussed this on a previous podcast. 12 teams making the playoffs per division is way too much. It is. It's just way too many teams. And I want to take away from kids, give them the opportunity to play in a playoff game, but the fact of the matter is some of these schools come in at 1-9, and 2-8. and eight. They get blown out in the playoffs anyway. Some of the kids 
don't necessarily want. It's like, why extend the season for them if they don't want the season to extend? I get it for seniors. I had my playoffs taken away from me my senior year. I understand how that feels. Thinking you're going to play another game that's going to potentially be your last game, but then all of a sudden, just like that, it's gone. So I understand that. I understand as a senior, you want to be able to play as many games as possible. But when you're 1-9 or 2-8, and eight, you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. I mean, it's just that simple. And at the end of the day, I think most of those kids on those teams are just kind of ready for football to be over. Granted, there's a couple exceptions. There's going to be some kids that are just straight up, I want to play for my high school one more time, yada, yada, I don't really care. But you got to eliminate one of the weeks of the play. You got to eliminate some of these teams. You got to make it eight teams. And the open division, again, make it eight teams, make D1 eight teams, put more teams in D1. We discussed that another time. But back to the start of the season. Back to it starting early. You got it. It's it's too early. It's way too early. Talking with most of my friends around the country that are involved with high school sports in Texas and, and other states. I told them we had a scrimmage last week. They said we just we basically just started practice. I said we got a game this Friday. Tune in the live stream. They're like, we're not even scrimmaging anybody yet. You're already playing your first game? It's way too early. It's way too early. It's less time for these kids to get ready for the first game. Their summers are already basically gone anyway because the way you know all the offseason workouts work, the seven on sevens and everything like that. But on top of that, now you're starting in mid. You're starting in late July. Come on. They are kids after all. They should probably have some summertime. Starting August first. Having some good practices under your belt. Not trying to cram stuff in before your first scrimmage being really early that it was. August 10th scrimmage. Are you kidding me? August 10th? Way too early. Way too early. So we'll get a couple opinions of uh, of some coaches uh, coming up in just a little bit. Like I said, Coach Bernie down at, at Castle Park trying to make things Back to the way Castle Park was in its heyday. It's been a long time since Gil Warren was the head coach of Castle Park. It's been a long time. Coach Bernie's trying to fix that. And he, he's got some stuff working down there at Castle Park. They open up with O'Farrell Charter. O'Farrell Charter's got their first game of ever. First game ever as a varsity team playing football for the first time. That's going to be a special moment for those kids on Friday night. John McFadden is back and at Eastlake again. Does this put Eastlake back in the conversation of top four team every year? I say it does. Look at the stats. McFadden leaves. That team plummets in the record. Go look at it. The exception of last season, Eastlake was not the same when McFadden was not there. And I'm not dogging any of the coaches that took over because they did a, a great job talking to McFadden about it. He doesn't think that either. I'm just saying uh, the the job that McFadden did was so unbelievable. They never had a losing season when he was there. He leaves, all of a sudden they get two losing seasons in a row. Go 2-9 and nine one year. 
McFadden is back. They open up with Torrey Pines on Friday. It's going to be a hell of a game. Chris Thompson is back at Mira Mesa. Now as the head coach. You know for damn sure that he's going to get guys ready to go. And that Mira Mesa team is going to be back to what it was in the early 2000s, being one of the top city league teams in San Diego. And I was curious, they did the switch where they dropped Mira Mesa down to the Eastern League and brought Lincoln into the Western League. What bad timing to do that. That Mira Mesa team is going to be good. They'd be able to compete in the Western League. I'm not saying they would win the Western League this year, but they'd be able to compete. A lot better than they did last year. That's for sure. They got a lot of talent. They got a lot of good athletes. I think with the direction of the cult, the, the the change of scenery and, and the change of coaches over at Mira Mesa is gonna is gonna prove to be very profitable. Is the word I I just came up with? That was the only thing that could come to mind. It's gonna be very it's gonna be very good. Don't be surprised if Mira Mesa is in the D two final. And Eastern League champions. It's my bold prediction. Granted, they didn't look that great against Helix, but Helix is Helix. And what did we learn this weekend? Helix is Helix. They're going to be ready to go. They got Cajon on Friday. That's going to be a great game. We got some great games this weekend. I'm excited for it. I'm also excited to start talking to some of these coaches. When we come back, we got Coach Bernie down at Castle Park joining us on Inside the Huddle with Braden Soprano. Welcome back to Inside the Huddle Podcast with Braden Soprenit. I'm now joined by Castle Park's head coach, Bernie Ansola uh, you know, entering his second year as the head coach. Coach, thanks again for joining me today. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. So let, let's talk about you as a coach and, and you as a person. and Give us a little background about how you became a football coach, what made you get into you know, being a high school coach, and uh, how you got to where you are today as being the head coach of the Castle Park Trojans? Um, good question. I grew up in Bakersfield, California, um, a place that really, really loves its football. Um, I thought my father was a football coach, uh, played college football. I'll, I'll be honest, he's a better football player than I was, even though I never saw him play. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's what started my passion for the game. Um, Loved my high school experience, wanted to continue it. Uh, went to Bakersfield Junior College, uh, played for, I'll say, one of the probably one of the greatest offensive line coaches that most people have never heard about, Dwayne Dameron. Uh, my father also played for him at, um, at Bakersfield Junior College. And between my father and, and Coach Dameron, uh, you know, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, I knew I was going to college. Um, and you know, I was going to complete college and whatnot. Didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do with my life. Both my parents are teachers and, uh, seemed like a good gig. Um, I really, again, like I said, you know, um, admired, uh, coach Dameron and obviously my father. And between those two, I said, Hey, I think that's something I want to do. I, I get to continue to be around football and be around young people. And, and, um, and that, that's how it started, basically. Um, uh, my, my football playing days were over after Bakersfield Junior College. And, 
came down to San Diego State, uh, finished my college degree, got my teaching credential, and of course didn't want to leave. And, uh, you know, here I am, uh, whatever it is, 14 years, 15 years later. So many people that have, coaches that I've talked to have, have you know, made it, made their way to San Diego and, and never wanted to leave because of how great it is here in San Diego. But, um, you know, you're a Bakersfield guy originally, and, you know, growing up and doing high school football up there, it's a little bit different than down here. What did you, did you know anything about San Diego high school football uh, before you moved down here? And, and if you did not, what did you uh, quickly learn about, you know, being a part of the San Diego high school football scene? Um, you know, I mean, in, in, in many cases, football's football, that's for sure. Um, what, what I, what I learned very quickly is, you know, you don't have to be in a smaller town. Bakersfield's by no means, uh, you know, one horse town, small town, but, uh, you know, it's not, it's obviously not the size of San Diego. And, uh, but what I learned very quickly was, you know, that same kind of smaller town passion is here. And, uh, we, we love our football down here. Uh, we play it very well. And, um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's like anywhere that cares about the game of football. And, um, and I think for the most part, it cares about the game of football for the right reasons. And so that, you know, that was something that, um, that spoke to me. And again, uh, football's football. And, you know, those of us that love the game, <clears throat> we're going to coach it wherever we're at. We're going to play it wherever we're at and, um, and we're going to love it. So, you know, it's, it's the passion for the game, I think more than anything. And, and, you know, and the passion for the, the things that young people can, excuse me, can learn um, through the game of football. And, you know, and I think all of us that coach in high school for sure, um, or at least most of us, you know, understand that. You know, it's about, it's about something bigger. You know, we don't get bonuses uh, for a certain amount of wins, for winning league or, you know, for going to the playoffs, for, for winning the CIF championship. So, you know, it's um, – about it's about the love of the game and and what it did for us and you know hopefully what it can do for the for the kids we're coaching so um yeah that that's pretty much pretty much how i feel about that let's talk about the kids you're coaching right now castle park trojans a, a program that you know storied has been a really good program back in the day but coach it's been a long time since gil warren was the head coach and it's been a long time since players like john fox has been there I heard you guys are trying to build something at Castle Park. Go ahead, let us know what um, what you're trying to establish there uh, down in the South Bay. Um, you know, you know, uh, you know like I'd say any coach is probably going to say we're trying to establish a winning culture. Um, we're trying to establish a culture of accountability. Um, and you know, I, I, I guess one thing. One thing that brings pressure with it is the fact that there is great tradition at Castle Park. Uh, there's a community that cares deeply for uh, Castle Park High School, not just Castle Park football. Um, and you know, but we're trying to we're trying to do things the right way. Again, uh, establish accountability and, and teach young people the you know the, the right lessons through football. And um, you know, to me, football is a great game that, that does teach us those lessons, and um, we get to play football while doing it. So, you know, it's just um, it, it 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 can be it can be a positive thing in so many ways. And, and again, we're lucky in the fact that we have a tradition to fall back on. Um, but you know that 
um, the, the, the real heydays of Castle Park High School are a long way out. And a lot of these guys, a lot of these kids we have don't necessarily know that. They just know they want to be out there playing football. And, um, and they, you know, they, the ones that we have love wearing the red and black. And um, I feel like we're, we're starting to lay a foundation that we can continue to build upon and hopefully, you know, regain some of that, some of that past glory, uh, in, you know, in the way that in, in the mold, in the mold that we're trying to do it in. Let's talk about your first game. It's coming up this week, uh, this, this Friday, August 17th, you open up with O'Farrell charter and O'Farrell charter, a longtime middle school, um, not too long ago became a high school. They're starting up their first year as a football program. What kind of challenges do you face in getting a team prepared to play a team that's never played before? I mean, you don't have film on them necessarily. You're you're kind of you know not necessarily guessing because I know you guys did your research and probably scouted some some type of uh, seven on seven stuff to see what they run. But as a coach, how do you prepare for a team that's never played before? And then also as a coach, how do you keep your kids focused? So like, hey, let's not take this team lightly, even though they've never played. Um, you know, as a team before? Well, you know, number one, um, we get the film that we can get on them, their scrimmage film. And, um, you know, we break that down and, and review it, you know, review it just like any other opponent we're going to play. We obviously don't have anything from last year. We can't, you know, call any of our, any of our, you know, other, you know, other coaches in the, you know, in the coaching world and say, Hey, you know, you got film on these guys, whatnot. Uh, you know, you hear a couple things uh, from seven on seven, uh, but for the most part, you know, we break we break down the film we have on them, and um, and we you know and we and we we see what they we see what they're doing on film, and we try to get prepared to play them just like we do anybody. Um, as far as keeping our kids motivated, uh, you know, to play a, a you know a, a team that's never played before, um, you know, we were we were on ten last year, so if you know if the motivation isn't there because this team's never played a game before, you know, um, I don't know where it's going to come from. Uh, I'm not, I'm not so worried about what, you know, what their history is and whatnot right now, my history as a head coach, and it's not about me, but me, but, you know, actually speaking on me, my history as a head coach, I'm on 10. And, um, I believe that I'm better than an Owen 10 football coach. Uh, but right now people look up my record and that's what, that's what I'm judged by. And that's what, you know, the kids who were with us last year are judged by. I think we made great strides in a lot of ways last year, um, but it, it never, it didn't show on the scoreboard. So, and, you know, and the, if you need any, any further motivation, we don't want O'Farrell to start their football program 1-0 on our backs. And, you know, we've, we've had those conversations. So I, I think the kids understand the opportunity that's in front of them. And, you know, we don't want to play with a ton of pressure uh, on our shoulders because, you know, we're, we're playing a, a football team that has never played a game before, but there is some pressure on our shoulders. And we understand that O'Farrell's probably coming in without pressure on their shoulders. So, you know, we have to, we have to understand that and we have to actually embrace it. You know, we got to, we got to appreciate that pressure and, and hopefully it helps to motivate us to work as hard as we, as hard as we can to get prepared for this football game and to go out and, and play the best football game we can at this juncture in the season. Let's talk about a little bit more about the players you have on this 
2018 Castle Park Trojan football team. You know, Castle Park is not, again, they're not a top 10 program that doesn't get a lot of recognition. You know, the South Bay sometimes doesn't get a lot of recognition that they deserve. Let's talk about some kids that, you know, that that people in San Diego need to know about because they're they're good athletes for you and they're going to make an impact for for your team this season. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll just start by saying, you know, um, we don't have large numbers. Uh, we're, we're, we're steadily growing, slowly growing. And, you know, even at this point in the season, we're still getting, you know, a couple kids out here and there, but kids that have been there from day one are tough kids. You know, it's, it's real easy to be one of those people on campus, one of those naysayers or, you know, there, there's plenty of excuses not to play football right now uh, in general. And there's there's plenty of excuses not to play football at Castle Park High School right now. Um, and those kids that are out there and are bought in and have been putting in the work are, are tough, hard-nosed kids from a, a good, tough, gritty community. And, I mean, I'm, I'm very proud to coach the kids that we have. Uh, you know, there's a – there's a lot of things we still have to work on uh, and I'm just talking generally right now and there's no doubt about that but um, I appreciate very much the kids that I have on the team that are doing it the right way that are putting in the work and that are you know doing their best to block out the naysayers and just go about our business and continue to improve on a daily basis Um, that's in general as far as individual kids we we have some we have some very good individual talent and what i like about our individual talent is they're they're good kids they're good people uh they're going to be good young men so um you know i can start going down the list i'm going to apologize in advance if i forget anybody um but um we've got arian smith um he's uh i believe a three-year maybe four-year varsity letterman um, smaller in stature, super quick, fast guy. Uh, and if we get him out in space, uh, and get, get him the ball in good situations, uh, good things are going to happen for us. Uh, we have, we have good, we have good speed on the perimeter. We have good perimeter players and, um, we really need to continue to see our offensive and defensive lines gel. Um, we have a little bit of senior leadership up there. I'm not saying a little, little bit. I just mean we don't have um, a ton of older guys uh, with a lot of experience. Uh, we are looking at possibly starting a couple of sophomores, at least. Uh, another guy who's, who's got good talent, decent size, um, but has uh, never played offensive line before. Possibly start him at left tackle, uh, but uh, I'm sorry, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. Um, so we got Arian Smith, uh, another another slot receiver, running back type. Uh, Isaiah Morneau, uh, not the most talented kid uh, that's going to be on the football field, but a kid that is going to give you everything he's got, every rep, and that's something that I try to preach. And um, and he's a good football player, um, and he's going to help us. And you never have to wonder, and this is what I love about him and kids like him, you never have to wonder what you're going to get out of him. You know you're going to get his best. Um and, and, you know, if mistakes happen, you can live with them because, you know, it's not uh, it's not a lack of effort. It's not a lack of preparation. And um, and that's OK. Uh, other than that, well, perimeter wise, again, uh, Joel Torres, um, probably a lot of people might look up people who know our team and say yeah, that's probably our best football player, wide receiver, defensive back. 
Um, we're running a new scheme on defense. Um, we <laughs> brought in some really, really, really uh, top-flight defensive coaches, uh, led by Coach Jose Mendoza. He was uh, the defensive coordinator at Eastlake for the past two years and has coached at multiple stops, uh, did a great job as the head coach at Sweetwater High. I couldn't tell you the years exactly that he was there, but did a hell of a job there. Um, and, uh, and he brought he brought a couple more coaches with him, a couple more guys we already had. Coach uh, Coach Bill Anderson is helping coach our linebackers, uh, one of the finest coaches I've ever been around. Um, so uh, if our kids just continue to to learn our defensive scheme, uh, I think we're going to do a lot of really good things there. Um, but again, Joel Torres, uh, wide receiver, uh, defensive back, he's gonna. I think he's going to do really good things for us. Uh, the other side of the ball, or I'm sorry, on the opposite side from him is Demarcus Lewis. He's a junior. Um, had a knee last year, uh, nothing major, but um, I forget exactly what it was. But it it uh, it ended his season early as a sophomore, and he is he has really grown. Um, I think the best is definitely yet to come for him, but he looks very good for us. Um, and then as far as the offensive line goes. Um, you know, we are, we are a work in progress. We're young, we're inexperienced, but those guys come show up every day. Uh, as a former offensive lineman myself, um, I tend to be hard on those guys. Um, I hope they understand that it comes from a place of, you know, caring, wanting them to be the best they can be. Uh, but at the same time, we got to get them ready to play varsity football. Um, and, and that's the approach I'm taking. And honestly, you know, um, they, they've done a really good job with it. They've embraced it. They keep showing up every day. And, um, and they continue to learn and continue to get better. And I think that we are going to see them start to gel more and more. And I think by the end of the season, we're going to have some sophomores that maybe, um, maybe at the beginning of the year, some people might think they don't belong. And they're going to definitely belong. They're going to have two great years ahead of them. Uh, one one guy I will mention out of that group is uh, Robert Soldinsky, a young man who uh, has always had a always had a good frame, um, but he's you know skinny offensive lineman you know and uh, to see him grow and mature and fill out a little bit and he's a guy who some people probably thought was an afterthought and I think he's going to be a, a real leader on that group. Um, he's, he's done a, he's done a really good job. He understands what we're trying to do up there. Uh, he can play multiple positions for us. And, um, I think he's going to help be the anchor of that offensive line. Uh, another young man, uh, we're waiting on, uh, we'll, we'll talk about, we can talk about him another time because if, and when we do get him, him going, he's going to, he's going to do really, really good things for us. Um, but like I said, that's a story for another day right now. Uh, we got to worry about the guys we're, we're looking to put on the field on Friday night. And uh, I think uh, I think we're going to put a good product out there. And I think that product is going to continue to get better as the year goes on if we keep going about our business the right way. Go check out Castle Park. they got O'Farrell Charter on uh, this Friday, August 17th. They're going to have a pretty decent season this year compared to last year. I know Coach Bernie's going to have them ready to go. Coach, thanks again for your time. I uh, we always appreciate anything that's going to help promote Castle Park High School and Castle Park High School football, and uh, and thank you very much. And uh, hey, go Trojans! Fight on! Thanks again, Coach Bernie, for taking the time to talk to us about Castle Park, and and it's going to be a tough challenge for them in their first game. Already a lot of distractions. 
You're expected to win, okay? O'Farrell Charter's got nothing to lose, like he was saying, and Castle Park has everything to lose. And trying to keep his kids focused and not pressing too hard and not trying to be the team. We can't be the team to give O'Farrell Charter their first win. It's going to be tough for a little bit, but I think once they start realizing it's just football and playing football, Castle Park should be able to take over that game pretty easily. O'Farrell Charter, they're 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 going to be all right, okay? They're they're going to take their licks for a couple years, and then once they start getting kids, they'll probably start getting a lot more kids now to go to their school now that they have football. And I think a lot of schools should do this. Again, it depends it depends on, you know, resources and everything, but like a school like Canyon Crest would get way more athletes at their school if they had a football team. I talked to one of their assistant baseball coaches one time, ran into him and asked him, I was like, how does a football affect the other sports at Canyon Crest? Do you guys need football? And he says, I lose a lot of kids to other schools. Because we don't have football. And Canyon Crest is in, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a, pri- I, I think it's a private school. I don't know how, where it used to be like a lottery system to get in for a performing arts school, and now it's not. Now you can just, I guess, apply to get in there. But anyway, they're losing kids to Cathedral and Tory and, and, and neighborhood kids because they don't have a football team. If I'm if I'm in eighth grade, and I can't I want to play baseball, Canyon Crest, but I also want to play football. Tory Pines, I can play football and and baseball. I'm gonna go to Tory Pines. So, I think it's gonna help out O'Farrell Charter. But back to Castle Park, they're doing the right things down there. They're trying to build the program up. They went 0 and 10 last year. I, it's it's very difficult to go 0 and 10 twice. I think they're gonna get their first win. On Friday against O'Farrell Charter, and they're gonna they're gonna start. Cre- it's gonna take some time, but it's gonna, they're gonna start creeping up uh, out there in the South Bay. South Bay's got a lot of pride. They got a lot of lot of tradition down there, a lot of community support, and and a school that has a lot of pride and a lot of community support and has done really well over the last decade is East Lake. And I'm joined by the head coach of the East Lake Titans, John McFadden, coming up next on Inside the Huddle. Welcome back to Inside the Huddle Podcast with Braden Soprenit. I'm now joined by head coach of the Eastlake Titans, John McFadden. Coach, welcome back to Eastlake. It's good to have you on. Great to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Let's talk about your background and how you got into coaching. As I ask, you know, a lot of these coaches that I bring on the show to 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 see, you know, the human side of a lot of these coaches. How did you get into coaching? What made you get into coaching? And and, and why did you, uh, you know, ultimately want to become a coach? Well, I mean, when I, I went to Benita Vista High School and I, you know, was on the football team and ran track and did a little bit of everything that I could do. And I wasn't by far the best athlete or even a very good one, but uh, the camaraderie and what I got out of it, even not being on a great team all the time, um, was just incredible. And uh, my coach was a great guy, but, um, you know, we were wasn't always we weren't always coached to the highest level and so when I got out of high school I wasn't a college type player but I went out to Southwestern and got beat up out there a little bit and 
Um, and then I just decided that, you know, maybe I could coach. And so I got lucky with, um, uh, I, I was a track athlete and I was pretty good at that. So I was co- help coaching with that when I was I think 19, 20 years old. And then my mentor, uh, Chip Holmes, who was a legend here in the South Bay in track and field and cross country, uh, coached me at Bonita. He was at Hilltop at the time. And he asked me if I'd come over and help out coach at Hilltop. And I said, I'm not going over to Green's Gum. I'm not, I'm a baron. And he said he'd pay me $300 and I said, I'll be there tomorrow. Um, so <laughs> I said, you get paid for coaching? Wow, that's pretty cool. And uh, so I was over there the next day and then I met my, another one of my mentors, Jan Chapman, who's another legend around here. And he was coaching football and I had to let him know he was coaching track also. And I said, I'd really like to coach football. He introduced me to Joy Gritz, the head football coach. And, and the next uh, spring football, I was the varsity D-line coach. And I really had played O-line, so I was like, okay, varsity D-line. So, but the biggest thing is I, I wanted kids to have the experience that I had, but even better, because it was a little negative not having a good team. So I wanted to always, you know, the, whether you win, lose, or draw, the kids have a great experience as far as the camaraderie and becoming a team and things like that. And so that's kind of where it went. So you're the assistant coach, uh, assistant D-line coach. You know, you're a head coach at Eastlake for a long time, but how did you become, yes. you know, a head coach? What wanted you to be, you know, maybe I want to take the next step and, and, and kind of, you know, run things from a head coaching uh, perspective. Well, when you're young, you think you know everything, you know, and, you know, every year you realize how little you know, and now I know I don't know anything. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you, and I just had that, you know, that experience of, you know, and, and I found that, you know, I'm not that great at anything, but, uh, you know, as far as motivating kids and organizing and, and holding kids to a high level, you know, that's something that kind of comes natural to me. And so as, as I was coaching, I coached as an assistant coach, you know, for a number of years. Uh, and then I, you know, took on a head JV job and then a head freshman job and then, you know, and that kind of stuff along with still coaching at the varsity level. Um, and, you know, I, I got really lucky. I came over, I got the job over here at Eastlake and I was the head um, track coach. So I'd co- I've coached track actually longer than I've coached football. And um, and I was a head track coach, and I was going to help out with the JV football team. So I did that and coached varsity also. And then uh, Gene Alum uh, decided to step down, and I was lucky enough to get the job. You know, I, I didn't I, – I felt like I was qualified, but, you know, when you've never been a varsity head coach, you're, you're still going, okay, uh, I'm not sure if I'm up to this, but let me throw myself in there. And luckily I had – um, some great coaches around me and had a lot of success early and can continue that on. So, yeah, you definitely had a lot of success and looking over, you know, year by year, it doesn't look like you've ever really had a, a losing season at Eastlake. What, what was the key to your success during that, that, uh, that time frame, your first stint at Eastlake high school? Well, I think it's, it's something that I've always kind of done naturally. Um, yeah. Number one, I, I know my weaknesses and I know, that you have to have really good coaches around you and I, you have to know their weaknesses and their strengths and you have to, you know, really be able to coach them up and, and to have, you know, mentors around them that can help them if they have some weaknesses. And I kind of had that right from the start. I had, was very lucky to have some very good coaches for right from the start with Eddie Minshew and Lee Price and a group of George Mancius was, was here really you know, helping me mentor some, some great guys, you know, that, and I also had a good, good group you know gene alum always like to tell the story well i left him a championship team that's why he won the championship 
and he's right. He's definitely a great team. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, it, it's just, you know, you, you have to have the kids, you have to have the, the coaching and then you have to have the organization. And I didn't really know anything when I first started. I just think I had that mentality of high standards and, you know, and each year I try and learn a little bit more. So what you got to coach, you know, some NFL players and a guy like Tony Jefferson and some other studs. Like I remember when I was in high school, Eastlake had the, this kid named Boltazar who was a hell of an athlete. What was your favorite memory about coaching during that first, uh, that stint at Eastlake? Um, well, I mean, I have so many of them. I mean, winning both championships were, was really great, but there's, there's so many other great memories. I remember we were, um, you know, we were kind of the semi semifinal Queens, you know, we would, we would get to the semis and never you know, get pushed over the top, I think four years in a row. And, um, the last year we had this kid named, um, well, names always leave me, but you know, he, you know, he just wanted us to do so well and he felt so bad and he's up in the locker room and he goes, you know, and he, we always see John Carroll on there with all his rings and stuff. And he goes, you know, coach, I just want, I, I want you to have what John Carroll has, you know? And I go, you know, I, John Carroll doesn't get to coach you. And that's really the difference. I, you know, he doesn't have the experience of being able to coach. He has his great kids that he gets coached, but I had the opportunity to coach you. And that, that really to me is the, the genuine feelings and, and how much you care about the kids, whether or not you're winning everything or whatever, those are the greatest experience and memories that I have. Let's talk about uh, you leave for a little bit. You're you're now back. What was the without you know, not to knock any other coaches, but when you left, the team kind of the program record wise wasn't as good as when you were there. When you got back this off season. Based on your evaluation, what was the state of the program? Was there anything you really needed to tweak to get to, you know, back to what, the way you ran things? Well, I mean, they both, I mean, every head coach is a little different and they both had their successes. And I thought uh, Lee Price did a great job. I had left him, you know, we were a top two or three team in the county every year for the last five years I coached. And, you know, also there's a, a re- regime change and there's going to be, he's going to do things a little differently than I do. And it takes a little while to get that into the groove. Um, and, you know, some people bailed on it, but, you know, a few of the kids bailed on them. So you lose a few of those athletes that might've helped you and things like that. And, um, you know, so that, you know, but he just did things a little differently and, you know, he had to learn as a head coach, what worked well for him and what was going to, you know, you know, and, and I did find both the guys who worked with me for 15 years, him and D Trump. I said, were you even here when I was here? <laughs> you know, I said, do you know all the different things that, you know, the different things that we did just, to, you know, the little things. And they didn't real, re- really realize the little things that had to be done sometimes. And they both were learning. And, you know, I thought Lee again did a great job Had by far the toughest schedule in the County those two years. And, you know, was in the open division both years and, uh, you know, won the league championship and finished second in another before we all got fired, um, which was ridiculous. So you can, I don't care if you put that on. I, I've made my views cleared on that. It was a, a, a joke, but, um, you know, and then Dean took over and got the job and, you know, his first year was a major struggle and, um, you know, but he worked through it and then came back last year and, you know, we're, they were in the uh, D1 finals and had a great year and the kids were, were all excited about it. 
Um, you know, so I figured Dean would be here for the next 10, 15 years, but, you know, I think he found out that being the head coach is a little more stressful than, you know, being a, a assistant coach or a JV head coach and stuff. So, um, you know, I, I'm glad he's doing well and his health is good. Um, and, but I'm also glad that I get to have a chance to come back. So, well, regardless of what happened in the past and, and, and what happened leading up to right now, you're now the, the head coach at Eastlake yet again. Let's talk about uh, the team you have this year real quick. Let's talk about some of the kids you have. You know, you lost your quarterback to a late transfer. You got this young guy, a sophomore quarterback, that's been doing really well for you so far this year. Talk about some of the kids you have that are going to be an impact for the East Lake Titans this year. No, we really are. Um, we have a, a good group of seniors and some underclassmen that are going to be really good. But the seniors are really the key to getting them to buy in and really, you know, because they've had, you know, some of these seniors have had, you know, a couple different coaches throughout there and that's tough when all of a sudden there's change and they're like okay are you gonna leave us too again you know so i mean i just have to get them to buy in but I, i'll tell you what our line we have uh levante webb and vincent santos jaime men is all almost you know 285 to 300 pounders that are athletes and that move very well and then jack hay is probably our you know he's a 215 pound 511 guy he's probably the t- one of the toughest kids on the team but the the course the leader is um is uh mccurdy and he's the guy who is the defense i mean he's incredible he's one of the best linebackers i've seen in san diego in a long time and uh i'm really excited to have him but uh, we have two running backs with co and merrifield that together last year ran over 1500 yards and you know they're both a little different as running backs but they're both real tough and so the rest of our skill guys i mean i really feel comfortable i don't Usually I look at a team and I'm going, oh, man, we've got some real weaknesses we're going to have to work on. But I think every kid that we have, if we can get them coached up to a high level, we can play some really good football. Let's talk about your first game. Okay, you guys got Torrey Pines. It's a pretty big game, um, not only for you guys, but for Torrey Pines. Torrey Pines is coming in with a lot of expectations to be in the open final. We got the excitement that John McFadden is back and Eastlake's going to be back and ticking. What can you say about this game? And then go ahead, give us a scouting report of what you saw in Torrey Pines that you think, you know, these guys do a good job at this. It's going to be tough to try to slow them down here. But, uh, you know, what what does Torrey Pines bring as a challenge for you? Well, I mean, number one, they are very, very well coached. He's, he's doing a great job, and you can just see it in everything they do. They're like a fine old oil machine, um, you know, and – they just don't make mistakes and they're not going to, they're not going to beat themselves. And they have some really good athletes. Their running backs are good athletes. Their quarterback is special. You know, he, I mean, he just can make things happen with his feet and his arm and they just have really solid players. They got a, a big linebacker who, you know, uh, just flies around. I think it's going to be the battle of the two linebackers just kind of uh, getting things done, but they don't, they're well coached and they don't make mistakes. And right now we have to coach our kids up a little bit better um from our scrimmage against madison you know we we beat them in a scrimmage you know it was a kickoff class but you know we did not play very well and we were not um very well coached so we have to really step our coaching game because they are a well-coached team with, with a lot of experience very physical so it should be a good one i mean i, I you know i think we have maybe have a little more team speed than they do um but you know, it's going to come down to who makes the most mistakes. And right now, I don't think they're going to make very many. So if we make as many as we did last Saturday, it's it's going to be an ugly game. We better step it up. 
I don't, I don't want you looking ahead too far, but I would like to hear your take on uh, Corona uh, Santiago. You know, anytime a, one of our teams plays out of section, I, I love to have, you know, the coach give the perspective of what that team really is because a lot of people in San Diego don't understand, you know, how diff or how tough some of these teams are that, you know, most, most of our schools go play out of section. Give us a, a real quick synopsis of uh, what Corona Santiago or Santiago of Corona um, is as a team and, and expected challenges you're going to have to face in that game. Well, again, they're another team that, you know, the thing, I, I think sometimes the difference between San Diego teams and LA teams is week after week after week, those, those uh, LA teams are playing um, extremely high level football at all times. Not that we don't either, but I mean, it's, you can play a high level, but then there's a high level of football. So when your team is used to that and they're, then when your JV kids play other JV teams that were as good as a lot of varsity teams here in San Diego, you know, you just get used to that high level and the coaches, you know, uh, do a great job with that. And, you know, they have a great quarterback coming back and he, you know, uh, they scored 47 points on us last year and we had a great defense last year. Um, you know, luckily our offense really came through in that game and we, we still lost the game, but it was a great game. Um, so we're going to have to do a lot better job of controlling the, you know, what they do offensively and, and, um, you know, and they're, they're, again, the key to football is who makes the most mistakes. And if we can keep ourselves from making mistakes, then I don't think there's a whole lot of teams we can't compete against. It's just, you know, better teams make you make more mistakes. So you're in the best division or the best, uh, league in the South Bay, all the coaches I've interviewed in the South Bay talk about the pride each community has in their school, something that you don't really see in other parts of the county. I played for a city league school. I know it's Cathedral. It's in North County, but it's a city league school. We played against North County schools. My dad coached in the East County. The one part of the county I don't really know too much about is the South Bay. Give us a synopsis of, of, of the South Bay, the state of the South Bay, and, and 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 talk about you know the community involvement and how the South Bay is, is kind of an underrated uh, uh, part of the San Diego section. Yeah, and it always has been. I mean, we just we would go in and 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 always you know get seeds lower just because we we're from the South Bay, and then you know, but once you start beating those North County teams and you start beating those East County teams, and that's where it really boils down to. And we do have teams that are very capable of of beating anybody from any area um, with Olympian, Otay Ranch, uh, Benita, and Modern Day. Um, they've all had their successes over the last few years. And, you know, and of course, he's like, we, we've kind of, you know, been the the team that's looked at until the last couple of years that in the South Bay too. And that's where I want to get East Lake back to. I want, you know, we, we need to get back to league championships. We need to get back to, you know, fighting always for CIF championship and back to that open division instead of the, you know, I mean, division one's great and whatever, and there's great teams in division one, but the goal should be at a higher level. Coach McFadden, it's a pleasure talking to you. Uh, thanks again for joining the program and good luck on Friday. Oh, thanks so much. I appreciate you having me. Thanks again to Coach John McFadden of Eastlake. He's back. Look for them to compete for an open uh, spot. I don't think they make it to the open this year. I think they'll just come up one, one, one or two games short uh, with their tough schedule they got coming up. But that first game, Torrey Pines and Eastlake is probably the game of the week, in my opinion. You got La Costa Canyon Cathedral Catholic next week. You got Steel Canyon Carlsbad is going to be a great game. You got San Marcos Otay Ranch. You got Helix Cajon. I mean, there's a lot of good 
football this weekend. But I think that one's the top. I it, it's gonna be it's interesting to see. It's gonna be is McFadden back and they're up and running as soon as possible and winning that first game. If they win that first game, look out. East Lake's gonna go on a tear. But then you got the all the expectations with Gladnick up there at, at, at Torrey Pines that we've talked to before. That's gonna be a great football game. Whoever loses that game is still going to be in good shape to potentially make the open playoff, assuming they don't have any any skids um, throughout the season. But now you got that four-team playoff. It's almost like college football. This is almost like an elimination game. It's going to be some fun football to watch. When we come back from one new head coach that used to be at the school to another, we got Chris Thompson of Mira Mesa coming up next on Inside the Huddle. Welcome back to Inside the Huddle Podcast with Braden Soprenit. I'm now joined by the new head coach of the Mira Mesa Marauders, Coach Chris Thompson. Coach, how are you doing tonight? Good. Coach, doing uh, real good tonight. Let's uh, let's let's dive into how you got into coaching because you've had a pretty uh, good coaching background so far in, in your coaching career. What made you get into coaching, and, and at what point in your life where you're like, you know what, I just want to, I just want to start, you know, coaching high school football? Well, you know. <laughs> I guess it was one of those good news, bad news things. I, I played behind my best friend who goes by the name of Ray Rowe, who was a junior when I was a senior. Uh, so there wasn't a whole lot of playing time because he was going to go off to San Diego State and uh, eventually get drafted by the Redskins in the NFL. So I kind of started coaching him, uh, you know, from the sidelines in high school. So let, let, let's get into how you got into coaching in, in San Diego and, and your path of, of how you got to be the Mira Mesa coach today. Because I know you used to uh, coach at Mira Mesa back in the day when they're winning league championships and were at the top of the mountain. Since then, you know, you're at Bonita Vista for a little bit. You're at Helix for a little bit. The head coaching job opened up at Mira Mesa uh, last year. Why were you so excited to jump on that opportunity? Well, you know, got going to school at Mira Mesa, graduating from there and, you know, growing up in the community, um, great community, tons of talent. You know, we got real close in the, uh, the early two thousands. Uh, we just couldn't get over the hump. You know, we, we lost a bunch of games in the semifinals. Um, you know, so it was always, for me, it was unfinished business and, you know, really there was, uh, I, I never really wanted to leave Mira Mesa, but, uh, you know, sometimes things happen with coaching staffs. And, uh, so me and coach Blevins, you know, had some disagreements on some things. And, and so it's just time for me to go out and, you know, be my own head coach and, and figure some things out. So I had the opportunity to go to Vista with, with Danny Williams and see some things and was at Poway, you know, saw how they do some things. And, you know, I ended up as the head coach of being Vista really by accident. Uh, cause all things being what they were, I was really waiting uh, for the mayor Mesa job, you know, eventually coach Blevins was going to retire. And so, you know, that's kind of what's happened. And uh, so, you know, this was always the job. Everybody kind of has their dream job. And, um, and that's it really was for me. I, you know, I knew I always wanted to be back at Mira Mesa for, you know, all the potential that is there and, and the potential that's still there right now This, you know, to this day. What are some things that you learned, you know, coaching outside of, uh, you know, your own high school at Mira Mesa? Some, anything that you picked up uh, along the way um, that helped you become the coach you are today? Oh, absolutely. I, I you know, I, learned a bunch of stuff for, you know, some really good football coaches, you know, Dan Williams, uh, obviously in the Vista tradition, that great tradition that they had, uh, watching how they prepared, obviously in the North County, um, 
Damian uh, Gonzalez at Poway was a great delegator. Kind of watch how he did that, and you know, being at a very high academic uh, institution like Poway, and and you know, watching how they go through their stuff and and keeping you know really high grades and uh, playing at a really high. You know, we went to the uh, to the finals there uh, when I was there that year as well. Uh, and then obviously, you know, getting down there and, and doing some of it myself now at Benita and figuring out, you know, what we thought would work. And, and uh, you know, we got that all put together. And then, you know, I really ended up at Helix last year by accident because uh, I wasn't going to coach last year. I uh, kind of knew Coach Blevins was getting towards the end. So um was was really planning on sitting out last year. And then, you know, my buddies that are at, at Helix, I live in La Mesa. They're like, you got to come help us. And, and uh, Coach Owen's a great guy. And, you know, so I got to be part of, you know, again, probably the, 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 if not the most traditional high school in San Diego, the second most between Vista and, and, and Helix, there's some, some, you know, awful good history and traditions there. So you know, I got the opportunity to see all that and then bring all that back to Mira Mesa, uh, try to, you know, make it our own, put our own spin on it. You inherited the Mira Mesa program that, you know, didn't do too well last year in league and you come in, they get they they're now in the Eastern League, but you got a lot of kids coming uh, coming back that were that were players like a Noah Tumlin, um, in, 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 just as an example. What what was the state of the Mira Mesa program as soon as you took it over, and, and what were sort of the things that you know in your eyes that you thought you know maybe I should make some you know changes here or there? Well, you know, some of it was just dusting off, the, you know, the traditions and things that were in place when I was there originally that you know, let's just say people kind of lose sight of some of those things and they, um, you know, they got, it got a little dusty and a little dirt covered over them. Uh, so that was part of what we were trying to do is, you know, again, reestablish some of that, uh, getting the kids to understand you know, who kind of came before them and, you know, what some of all those rally cries, where they came from, what they really meant uh, or what they mean. And, um, you know, really, I think they've underachieved because there's been talent there, uh, you know, it's kind of getting some things back in place in terms of discipline and accountability and some of that stuff. And so that's been a little bit of the grind. Uh, we're obviously bringing in some some things that we're changing, but, um, you know, they've, they've, they've picked up on it. Let's talk about, you said you used the word grind. You're uh, featured on the grind um, with the guys that work with at San Diego Prep Insider. When that opportunity ar- uh, arri- uh, uh, you know, came about, were you guys excited for that opportunity to, you know, kind of get an have your guys be the inside look and how was that experience for you um, involving with the kids and, and being, you know, the main focus of a hard knocks type uh, uh, TV series, if you will. Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, the kids did that. That was uh, uh, Noah Tomlin, uh, Cameron uh, minor. They, they put that together, you know, they're in the, uh, the TV class of TV production class. And so, you know, they came to us and said, Hey coach, would this be okay? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, so they, they put together that little video and, and uh, so really it was, it was, uh, we were doing it, you know, as football coaches go, you, you know, you don't like all the distractions and all that kind of stuff that you kind of think about, but you know, they, they worked hard and they did a good job in putting that together. And so like, you know, absolutely. We'll, we're excited to do it. And, you know, really, I, you know, I talked to, to Drew over at Hilltop, did it last year and, he, you know, he kind of gave me some insight and really um, it, it, it wasn't as intrusive as you would think. Um, Christian was, you know, he was part of the whole thing. It's almost like, again, you always felt like he was part of the coaching staff. So it really uh, it didn't distract or take away from what we were doing. And I'm really curious to see uh, what it looks like when he finally pulls it all together. So I think, you know, the kids were excited about it. It kind of just picks up on all the rest of the excitement that's building, you know, that we've got building right now. 
uh, in the community. And, and obviously we have a you know, good group of skill kids coming back. And so there's excitement and, you know, obviously bringing back, you know, I'm coming back with my coaching staff that, you know, there's just a lot of expectation and, and, you know, we think we're going to be pretty good, but we got a lot of work to do. You know, we program has fallen down. We're, we're in division two. So we got a lot of work to do to get back up to, um, you know, I always like to give Jerry Ralph and those guys a hard time, but, you know, when I left the Holy Bowl was for second place. And, uh, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to get back and, and, uh, you know, those guys are good guys over there, coach Doyle. And, uh, you know, they, those are always competitive games. You always had to be prepared and, you know, and that's where we're setting our goals for. We, we expect to be one of the top programs in the County and, and, um, you know, that's, that's, that's our vision. That's our goal. We want to, we want to be the standard. So we've got a lot of work to do and we obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're doing that now. We're going to make our way back up. Uh, much like we did Benita. So, uh, you know, I got a little bit of experience there because uh, Benita was down when we got there. And, of course, we, we put some things together and and uh, we think, you know, we're going to have a pretty good shot at this year. I'm really excited to see you guys back in the Western League uh, duking it out with the likes of Madison, Saints, and, and Cathedral. Being a Cathedral alum that I am, I miss those uh, those Mira Mesa games um, all too well. But let's let's talk. We haven't been able to see the grind yet. They're going to release it soon. Give us a, a quick breakdown of the players you got coming back and some guys that are going to be some impact players for the Marauders this year. Well, yeah, you started off with Noah Tomlin. Obviously, he's a, a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, again, we're trying to add some more wrinkles to his game and, and uh, polish up, you know, some of the read progressions and, and things like that. And showing off, you know, he's, he's got a, a strong arm and, you know, we're trying to get him to, to understand that part of the game. And, you know, there's been some schools that have been out looking, you know, he took a, a trip out to the East coast to see some of the Ivy leagues. He's a great GPA kid and obviously a great, you know, two sport athlete. So uh, he's going to get a lot of the attention. Obviously uh, we have a, a running back that's transferred in Elijah Lynch, whose dad was my first running back when I became offensive coordinator way back when, when Mike Pittman, he played with Mike Pittman. Uh, so he's actually retired from the Marine Corps and he's, he's returned to Mira Mesa. And he was a uh, three sport uh, stud up in Yucca Valley uh, was their MVP. And, uh, he's going to come in. I think he's going to really surprise some people his ability to run the ball. Um, you know, we got Marcus Dean out there playing corner, play a little receiver. Uh, so we have a lot of guys, you know, uh, our other corner Duval, uh, he, you know, he's quiet, doesn't say, say much at all, but, uh, he's going to surprise some people too. So, you know, we think in the skill areas, you know, we, we can match up with anybody, you know, obviously what we've got to do is rebuild our interior, you know, offensive and defensive lines and things like that. So, um, guys are working hard and, uh, you know, if we can get that ground game, you know, as football goes, you got to establish the line of scrimmage. So you can run the ball and you can, and you can stop the run and everything else seems to fall in place. But, um, you know, we're still battling some things out. There's still some positions that are unsettled and uh, figure out, you know, we're trying to be a two platoon team, which is a little bit tough this go around only because the numbers situation, uh, you know, we don't have the same numbers. Not that our varsity is, you know, we're about 10 kids off from what I would traditionally carry, uh, but the numbers are, are down in, in the other parts of the program. So, you know, we'll get that all built back up and, and uh, we'll kind of do it the way we like to do it, which is to play a lot of kids. We're trying to play, like I said, we want a two deep on each side of the ball so we can really tease. I'm a big tech, you know, technician guy and uh, individual do all that instead of all the scheme. And, you know, we want to run a few things. Well, we're going to run that middle screen and zone and boot. And, and uh, you're going to see it from a lot of formations with different guys doing it. So, but that's, uh, you know, we're excited, you know, uh, I, I think I got eight or nine kids that I either coach their dad, their, their uncle, uh, you know, since I've been here, you know, this is my 30th year. So, 
Uh, I've had a, had a lot of guys come through the program. So that's an exciting thing for me, too, is now I'm starting to see the second generation. I'm excited to see Mira Mason play as well. You guys got a game on Friday, uh, August 17th. You guys are opening up against Patrick Henry. See, you guys beat last year. What are some things on film that, you know, Patrick Henry does well or, or some players that, you know, stood out to you as, as some, uh, you know, maybe some challenges for your team uh, coming up on Friday? Well, you know, they, they uh, when Coach Martinez got in there, you know, I was still at Mira Mason when we were doing that. He originally took over the program and they implemented the triple stack that, that we run on defense. And so, you know, they, they get up in there, they sugar those backers up in there. So you don't know if they're coming or not coming and, you know, to get the offensive lineman's attention one place and here comes the safety. So, you know, we've really been trying to prepare on that. And then, uh, you know, offensively they're, you know, they're going to give you some different looks and you know, they're going to give you some two back stuff, which, you know, I almost forgot about, you know, two backs. Everybody wants to be in spread gun and, and spread you all over the field. And so, you know, we've all kind of gotten away from some of that two back stuff, uh, but they're going to give us some of those looks and they're going to spread them out a little bit. So, you know, we've just been, been working on all that. Not a lot to look at. You know, we, we went out and watched them at Otai. And, uh, you know, I know they, they've had to fold their, their uh, JV team. So not quite sure who's going to be in there. Uh, if they're going to pull some sophomores up or, you know, uh, what we're going to see. Because, you know, scrimmages are scrimmages. But, uh, you know, watching them on film from last year, you know, they come from, you know, a lot of different places. Like, you know, those triple stack guys like to do. All right, Coach. Thank, thanks again for your time. I'm excited to see Mira Mesa this year. A lot of people, guys, got you to win D2. I know you don't like hearing that as a coach, but uh, it's going to be some exciting things for the Mecca out there. And then Mira Mesa, I can't wait to see where you guys go in the next couple of years. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we love the attention. And, you know, we'll, we'll wear that bullseye with uh, – we'll, we'll try to do the best we possibly can. But, you know, we're going to embrace it all. So, again, we've been talking about that with the kids, about, you know, having expectation and living up to it. So, but I, I appreciate uh, all that you guys are doing. Yeah, no worries, and I love I love the holy bowl being being for second place yeah. comment. I lo- I absolutely love <laughs> that's, that. That's the goal, baby. That's the goal, man. We're we're coming for those dons. <laughs> that sounds good, coach. Thanks again, Coach Thompson and Mira Mesa as they get ready for the season. They open up with Patrick Henry uh, on Friday at six thirty. It's probably going to be a win for Mira Mesa. They they won that game last year. Um, they'll probably win it again this year. They're going to be in good shape, and I I got them to win in the Eastern League uh, this season. Let's get real quick recap of the show, talking to a lot of good coaches, talked to Coach Bernie at, at, at Castle Park, talked to Coach McFadden at Eastlake, talked to Coach Thompson at uh, Mira Mesa. But let's get into let's get into our our uh, our topic of the week and that is the season starting early. And so as we started with you, Coach Bernie, let's uh, let's start with you and, and, and your thoughts on, on the season starting this early. Um, it's not ideal for us, but you know what? Uh, we're on the same calendar as everybody else and, um, and we're dealing with it. I, it's, like I said, it's not ideal. I don't think that it, uh, helped us <clears throat> to have the number of players out for day one of practice, day two of practice, even day five of practice. Um, uh, but it is what it is, you know? And, um, and we're dealing with it just like everybody else is having to. And, um, you know, right now it, it was frustrating for a while now that, that, and that's not just the season starting early. Uh, you know, that's, there's a lot of factors that go into the fact that we started off with small numbers and we've had to continue to build. And honestly, we're, we're still giving out gear every day after practice. 
Um, not, not, a, not a ton of it anymore, but you know, we've always got one or two guys that haven't got gear yet because they just barely came out and it makes it tough. I don't think it helped us as far as, uh, getting, getting our numbers out there on day one or week one or whatever. But again, it is what it is, you know, as, as, as we coaches like to say, um, as far as it being moved up for state playoffs and whatnot, honestly, um, you'd have to get somebody who, who's a little bit more of an expert on why exactly that's necessary. Um, from my perspective, adjustments had to be made or were made for the one, two, five percent that are going to state playoffs and, you know, and everybody's dealing with it. But again, CIF is our governing body and they do a many, many, many great things for high school athletics. And that's, uh, that's the call that was made and, and we got to roll with it. So, you know, I mean, we don't, we don't have to like it, dislike it or whatever, but we got to deal with it and we are, and everybody is. So it's not a, it's not a thing where it's an uneven playing field. It's what we got to deal with and we're dealing with it in our way and everybody else is too. So, you know, we can, we can think whatever we want about it. It's a reality and, and we got to, we got to still work to get the job done. Uh, whatever, whatever happens, you know, every, you know, the next, you know, 10 out of 11 Fridays from here on out, uh, nobody's going to want to hear that CIF moving up to start date or whatever had anything to do with it. And honestly, at this point, Hey, we're up and running and it's about getting better every day. It's about doing what we're, what we're supposed to be doing as a football program. And, and that's it. So, you know, I, I, it wasn't ideal for us, I don't believe, but at the, at, at the same time, everybody's dealing with it. So that's, that's how it goes. You know, and um, we're doing the best we can with it. Oh, I'm totally against it. I think after 12 games in a season, uh, the kids are done, the coaches are done. You go into other people's seasons like basketball and stuff, and it totally goes against what we should be doing in um, in high school sports, where you know, where you, you know, you, you, uh, CIF championship is more than good enough. Um, yeah, you know, and those who've won the state championship probably will disagree with me, but you know what? I've the two CIO championships uh, that I won. I was done. I was done. I didn't. I'm, I didn't want to go to the next. You know, I mean, we would and we would finish and we would play hard and we go strong. But I was thrilled and happy, and and the kids were thrilled and happy. And you know, now to keep on going and you know, you, you try and win the state championship, you get that. Otherwise, you finish your season on a negativity. And I, I just don't think it's right. But you know, and I don't think it's right for kids to have to play 14 games or 15 games in a season. I don't think that's good for kids. And we have, we're supposed to usually have 28 possible practices before our first game. And this year, I think uh, we got, you will have 19 practices. I think some schools who, you know, started a week later than us will have 14 or 15 practices. That's not good for kids to go into a, a big situation. I mean, we've got the number one or two team in the county this week. And, you know, we've had 19 practices to get ready and we're, we're going to be ready and we're going to we're work our butts off. But um, I just I, I think it's the wrong thing to do. And, you know, I mean, it, it, but I follow the rules and go by it and you play in the situation you have. And I don't want to be one of those whiners that whines about it. I just I don't think it's great for kids. 
and yeah, and the new format of four four teams to me is crazy. I mean, so you're basically going to play one game to get to a CF championship game. Yeah, that that's not that's the, defeats the whole purpose of the fun of um, you know going through the playoffs and getting a bye week and a and uh, play two games, and then you're actually in the championship game, you know. So, I don't know. Just, I'm an old-time guy. I'd like it better the other way, so. I agree with you as well. And the follow-up with the whole season starting earlier, it it has affected some schools, predominantly the smaller schools. You're at a bigger school, so I don't know how this has affected you or not, but has the new start affected your freshman numbers at all? Um, you know, it all depends on how you look at it. I mean, our freshman numbers are fine. I think we have around 60 kids. and um, But in the past, we would have 120 kids, and we'd have to go two teams of freshmen. So I could definitely see the numbers are down a little bit on um, uh, on things. But, uh, you know, I've talked to other coaches. I mean, you know, Madison didn't have uh, uh, really a JV or a freshman team for, for us to go against this past week because they just had started – so late they just have time to get it ready so you know we we, our, we had to find a jv and a freshman game our scrimmage um for that and and you know and madison's the top two or three team in the county and you know if they if they're having trouble with numbers then what does that say about everybody else so i think it's going to end up at some point in time it's going to go back to where you just have varsity and jv teams because i just don't you know the, this the numbers just aren't there so you know, I, I'm one of those kind of guys. I just, you know, personally, uh, you know, it's squeezed. But, uh, you know, we, we, we got out here and we started doing our work in February. So I don't feel the pressure, though. You know, what I, the real issues, I think, lie more so when you talk about safety uh, and, you know, not being able to hit as much, especially taking some of that stuff off the freshman. They never learn how to tackle. And so now you're throwing those guys out there maybe a little too soon. That's why I worry about it a little bit more. You know, varsity-wise, um, you know, I, would I have preferred another week? Probably. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't focus on those things as much as, as I kind of look at the big picture. And it's, it's um, you know, I, sometimes it just, I just – I don't see the sense of it in light of the big picture uh, of the safety concerns. So – that's, that's, you know, really and only time will tell, will, you know, will there be more injuries coming off of this at the lower levels? Cause you know, literally those kids go out and then, you know, 10 days later, you know, they're trying to tackle and you, you know, you got those days up front where you can't even touch each other. So, I mean, literally they got like seven days uh, and then they're tackling. So that's right. I'm a little bit most concerned about is really at the freshman level. Uh, speaking of freshmen, real quick uh, before I let you go, has it affected your numbers at all on the freshman level? Because I've talked to some other coaches, and they're thinking that maybe the the early start before school starts has affected you know their numbers. Has it affected Mira Mesa's numbers in your opinion? And do you think you're going to get a lot more, uh, a couple more kids once school starts? Well, we're certainly hoping so. I mean, obviously that that is a, a, a benefit. You know, I know the South Bay kids, our schools are already in, so you know I could walk on campus and try to rally the troops. Our freshmen, we're sitting at like 38 which is lower than, you know, what we've done in the past. But, you know, it's a lot more than some other schools where we're really seeing the, the pinches at our JV level. Uh, they were down at 25, and I've lost five kids to injury. Uh, but I think that's more of a byproduct because they had dropped the JV team last year halfway through the season. So, you know, I don't – would I like it? I mean, we got to wait. We're going to be three games into the season before those kids will be back on campus. Like, you know, tomorrow – 
is our sophomore orientation and Friday's our freshman orientation. So, you know, I got our coaches out there trying to get at those kids. So pushing it back a little bit certainly would help, you know, because now those kids won't be ready to go till halfway through the season. But, uh, you know, uh, it's six one way, half a dozen the other. I mean, if we're winning, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Thanks again to all the coaches that joined me today. Again, Coach Thompson at Mira Mesa, Coach McFadden at Eastlake, and uh, Coach Bernie at Castle Park. Uh, we get into some game picks real quick. We picked these games on the San Diego Prep Insider podcast um, that was live at Cathedral Catholic. We caught up with Sean Poma and, and talked a little bit of football. If you want to see that, be sure to check out um, you know our Twitter page, San Diego Prep Insider or SD Prep Insider, and then of course check out our website, Southern California Prep YouTube page, Southern California Prep Insider, and, and uh, our Instagram is San Diego Prep Insider. Um, but let's get into some of these game picks. Uh, we picked Rancho Bernardo Madison. I got Madison in that game over Rancho Bernardo. Uh, if, if Rancho Bernardo, if Rancho Bernardo is a sneaky team. Okay, they're they're a lot of people's favorite to be a dark horse this year. Um, to potentially win, uh, they're probably the favorite to win the the, the Palomar League. Since Ramona got moved to the Valley League, uh, look for Rancho Bernardo to have a pretty good season this year. A little bit of a bounce back year. Uh, a couple other games here: Cathedral Catholic at La Costa Canyon. You know my connection to Cathedral, so I will not be picking that game. That game's going to be a good one, though. It's going to be really interesting to see. Cathedral Catholic's got a lot of expectations with the players they got coming back and some of the young guys they have on the team. Um, with uh, new transfer quarterback DJ Ralph, it's going to be a good one for sure. La Costa Canyon, you got uh, you know Carson Lippert running the ball. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them to stop. It's going to be a battle of two big-time running backs in the county when Sean Poma and Carson Lippert. Uh, be sure to go check that game out. That game's going to be uh, a fun one. As we get through it, Bishops-Grossmont. I think this year Grossmont gets Bishops back uh, as revenge from last year. Bishops is going to be good yet again. They're always good, but you know they're not going to be as good as they were last year. And they were kind of an early out of the playoffs, which was kind of surprising to me. Um, and then Grossmont. I think they're going to get revenge. They're just a bigger school. They should be able to. They should be able to beat bishops um, if they want to make any noise in the Grossmont League. Uh, coming up, San, San Augustine Benita Vista. San Augustine's probably going to win that game. Oceanside is traveling to San Clemente out of section. That'd be a great game for the Pirates to win for the city of San Diego and for the San Diego section. However, San Clemente I think is going to be too much for them and uh, and beat him over there at Oceanside. So give me the Tritons in that one. Otay Ranch San Marcos is an intriguing game for me. I voted for Otay Ranch to be 10 in the county in the UT poll and in the Prep Insider poll. Um, so look for them to have a, a pretty good game against San Marcos. We'll see. But word on the street is San Marcos is even better than they were last year. And they are a pretty f- good football team last year. I'm going to take the Knights, though. I'm going to take the San Marcos Knights in that game. Moving on through... We got um, some other games coming up. Rancher Buena Vista Westview, I think, is a sneaky game. Westview last year, you know, they took their lumps when they played the likes of, you know, Cathedral Catholic and some other teams. But I like the way they run their offense. I like some of the receivers they have. Um, they're going to be fun to watch this year, and, and, and we'll give Rancher Bernardo a run for their money uh, in the Palomar League. But Rancho Buena Vista, to me, is another sneaky team. They scrimmaged La Costa Canyon last Saturday, last Friday. Um, I didn't think they looked too good, but they got a great running back in Dorian Richardson. Um, look for him to have a big day on Friday, but uh, give me the Westview Wolverines in that game. Steel Canyon at Carlsbad, uh, a battle of a uh, you know Steel Canyon's in the top ten. Carlsbad's right on the on the cusp of the top ten. 
Carlsbad had a good season last year with Austin Turner. Uh, coming back this year, he's, they're going to be a, a pretty good team. And then they're going against Steel Canyon, who you know is a state champion last year. And the guy I work with, Hammer, over here at uh, at at the radio station I work at, um, he's a big Steel Canyon guy. He's fired up. Um, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Steel Canyon in that game. I think Steel Canyon might upset uh, Carlsbad in that one. Modern Day Ramona. As we get down to a couple more picks here. Modern Day had a good season a couple years ago. They went to the state championship game, ended up coming up short when they had their running back, C.J. Verdell. Last year, they they took their lumps. Um, we talked to John Joyner earlier um, in the offseason, and he's excited for his, his team and, he's, and the challenges they're going to face, but this is going to be a big challenge for them up at Ramona. Going up on the mountains always tough for any team, um, but I think Ramona gets it done and, and, and continues what they had going from uh, last season. Going through... Uh, Christian L. Cap is another good game, uh, sneaky game. Again, Christian's not as big of a school, but they got some they got some good players. L. Cap uh, had a bad showing last week in the kickoff classic, but talking with Coach Burner, I think they got some athletes. They should be able to start winning some games. That being said, I got Christian in that one. Helix and Cajon, again, another out-of-county game for San Diego section. I'd love to have Helix win that game, but I think Cajon's going to be too much for them. And Helix's big schedule is going to be tough. But if they win that game, look out. Helix is going to be the team to beat in the county. If they're not already the team to beat, being number one in the county. Last game we're going to pick, Torrey Pines and Eastlake. Um, give me Torrey Pines. I think it's just going to be – they got a lot of expectations coming in. I'm picking them to be in the open final for a reason. Uh, they got to win the, this game if they want to be in the open final. Um, but look for Eastlake to give them a game. It's going to be tough with Coach McFadden. Uh, two coaches that we've had on the podcast so far this year. If you want to check out any of our old podcasts, be sure to check out SoundCloud, where we post all of our podcasts. Uh, you can check out our interviews with Ron Gladnick. We've interviewed uh, Sean Sovacle of La Costa Canyon, Sean Doyle at, at Cathedral Catholic, Robbie Owens at Helix, uh, just to name a couple. Drew Wessling uh, from Hilltop, Coach Bannister from from Chula Vista. Got a lot of good, a lot of good uh, coaches on on our podcast. Uh, but that will do it for me. Be sure to go out check out all the high school football games this weekend. If you're not coaching it, go check out some games. Go support some of these young kids because we got a lot of good talent here in San Diego. For Inside the Huddle podcast, a podcast by coaches, for coaches, with coaches, I'm Braden Suprenant. Have a good football weekend. We'll talk to you next week.